Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Well, um, good morning. Welcome to Harvest Community Church. At least it's not Harvest Community Refrigerator today. It's actually a little bit warmer. Uh, nice to see. It's kind of a little freaky though because I... When I was coming up here, it was so crowded. Now all of a sudden, it's like I didn't take a shower or something, and, and everybody's moved back. Um, if you want to open your Bibles, if you have them, to Haggai chapter 2. And uh, you could call this, um, of the 100 things that you want to know, 50.A. It's a continuation of what Pastor Dave spoke about a few weeks ago, and we're going to look at Haggai. I'd like you to take a moment as you're looking at your Bible is, can you think of a moment in your life when you have been disappointed? I would imagine everyone immediately, you you get something that uh, comes to mind. Um, Not one of the greatest disappointments, but the disappointment has a whole range of, of things to talk about. Like, for instance, if you are a White Sox fan... 2006 was a very disappointing season because in 2005 they won the World Series and uh, you added Jim Tomey with the thought that you could do it again and repeat and they never were able to get over that hump. That was disappointing, right? Thank you, June. Thank you, Eugene. Bobby Eumann's not here. That's good. That's why I shared that. Sorry, Cub fans. Disappointment also carries some other ways. Have you ever been to a retreat where you're listening, you know, you're really excited to go to the retreat, the theme is something really great that you're really interested in, and you get there and the speaker's horrible? Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? And the worst part is when you're the speaker and you're, you sit down and you go, oh my goodness, that was horrible. Uh, I've had that experience. It's kind of disappointing. Uh, have you ever dis- been disappointed about God's work in your life? You know, you're expecting something more, hoping for something more, and you just never seem to get there. Let's read Haggai chapter 2. We're going to read the first nine verses, and we're going to deal with something called disappointment and discouragement and how to work through that. Verse 1 reads this way. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. That is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your kindness, your goodness that you have shed upon us. 
we are rich, blessed with every spiritual blessing. The greatest of these is the ability to know you. And not just to know about you, but to know you. We ask today, give us insight into your heart. Not only for our lives as individuals, but as a church. Change our perspective to see your work more clearly. And to trust that not only are you working, but you'll bring to pass what you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think one of the main reasons we get disappointed and ultimately discouraged is because we have very high expectations. And if those expectations aren't met, something happens to our perspective. Especially when those expectations continue to be unmet, we begin to feel like, you know what, this is very disappointing. It's very discouraging. It's never really going to happen. And that's very similar to the situation that we find here in Haggai chapter 2. The perspective of the remnant has begun to fade. It's been changing slowly but surely. If you look here in verse 1, it says, on the 21st day of the seventh month. And if you're paying attention to what's going on in the dates here, it's basically four weeks after the Lord has stirred the remnant's heart to get to work on the temple. They have just done that. They have begun to work on the temple. And the work is hard. And the work is difficult. And this day is actually supposed to be the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles, which really doesn't mean anything to us because we don't live in the sort of tabernacles that they would have at that time. But it's basically a celebration. The harvest is coming in. We're going to bring in the harvest and we're supposed to have this big old party. But instead of being actually excited and happy, they're disappointed and they're discouraged. It it would kind of be like if you had a birthday party and uh, everybody comes, all your guests come and you're sitting there and you're sad. Discouraged, disappointed is exactly what's happening with these people because their expectations of what the temple should be like, their expectations of the work of God in their midst are so high because they haven't been met, they're getting disappointed and discouraged. Now, the problem here rests in this. The fact is that they're in this remnant are a group of people who saw the former temple in its glory. In other words, they saw Solomon's temple and all of the riches of Solomon's temple. In fact, one room was supposed to have been worth $20 million. Could you imagine one room in this temple, $20 million? Now, these guys, you have to remember, are not rich. They are poor. And so these old folks are walking around to something like, hey, hey, remember the old temple looks nothing like this. And the young people are like, man, we're working hard. What's the matter with you, fool? And as you're working hard and you're looking at these people going, wow, it was so great. It was so grand. The worship experiences that we had. And then there's this. It's a little discouraging, right? Uh, Let's try house number one. Imagine if you lived in this house. Wouldn't it be cool to live in that house? Some of you might, but it'd be cool to live in that house. And uh, imagine one day uh, there's a big old fire in your house and it all burns down. That's a nice house, but let's see house number two. And uh, you don't have good insurance and this is what you get afterwards. That's not a bad house, right? But let's see house number one. It doesn't compare. It'd be a little disappointing, wouldn't it? And if you had to continue to live there and things were breaking down in the old house and it just wasn't like the, uh, the other house that it used to be, you would begin to get a little bit discouraged. <clears throat> and that's what's happening, actually happening with these people. They're discouraged. They're disappointed. They're comparing. 
Now, comparisons are kind of cool, aren't they, in some ways, in the sense that someone came up to me and said, you know, Pastor Frank, you're losing weight. You must be exercising, eating right. You're beginning to look like Brad Pitt when he was in the movie Troy. That would be kind of a cool comparison, right? I mean, I would like that comparison. Um, But on the flip side, comparisons can also be very deadly or dangerous. Uh, My wife and I have been going to a foster care licensing class. And one of the lessons that we learned yesterday was a very important lesson. A lot of times when you get a foster child into your home, especially some of the older children, is that even though they may be eight years old, it does not necessarily mean that they are eight years old. They may be intellectually four or five years old. They may be emotionally two or three years old. And so when you start comparing them to a regular eight-year-old, you get frustrated because it's, why aren't you like an eight-year-old? Without taking into consideration the circumstances that they're in. Comparisons can be good, but usually very difficult. And in this instance, the comparison is very hard for the people. Because now what they have realized is their inadequacies. We are trying to build a temple. And in our mind, we have a template of Solomon's temple. And what we're coming up with really isn't too good. And I think the big problem is it's only been four weeks Solomon's temple took years to build. And after four weeks, they are impatient with the work of God. And because to them, it looks like the work of God isn't as good as it used to be. They are now disappointed and discouraged. I think many of us come to Sunday services or community groups or go through the week. And we live with a lot of disappointment and discourage about the work of God because our perspective is a little mixed up. So I want to give you three things today from this passage, hopefully, three things to remember that will help you work through a season of disappointment and discouragement. And the first one is this. Remember, God knows what you are thinking and feeling, even if you don't think he does. Verse three reads this way. This is God speaking to the people. He says, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? It's kind of like salt in the wound, right? Like God is saying, doesn't it seem like nothing? But I don't want you to see him saying like, guys, it's nothing. Oh, Solomon's temple was beautiful, but yours is nothing. No, what he's saying is to you, it seems like nothing. He isn't saying to me, it seems like nothing, but to you, it seems like nothing. You've been working for four weeks. You've begun to build this temple and you think that it is actually Nothing. You see, God here is responding to what the people are thinking and feeling. It's not written here that the people were disappointed. It's not written that they were discouraged. But God, even though they didn't think it, knew exactly what they were thinking and feeling. And God faces the issue head on and says, yes, I understand that you are disappointed. And yes, I understand that you are discouraged because you think you have to build me a temple like Solomon's because you think that worship is best when it's in a great place. God says, no, that is not it at all. You see, God is watching them and he's not comparing them to the previous owner in Solomon, but he's trying to let them see that his work is still being done. And so the disappointment and the discouragement that they are feeling that maybe even are expressing to one another. And even though they don't think God knows what's going on, he does. 
and he understands and he wants them to see a bigger picture that in the end, he wants them to see that their comparison, their perspective is absolutely and totally wrong. And God wants them to change their perspective to see that the work of God is actually happening in their midst, even though it isn't what they would expect it to be. And so instead of expecting something and having these unmet expectations, he's trying to get them to move in their thinking and in the way they view things and see things from his perspective and understand that worship is not about a building because you can worship in a high school, right? Or even a lowly junior high. Worship is all about what's going on in your heart. And that's where God wants to bring them because the work of God is actually moving in their midst. So if you're sitting there today and you're saying, you know what, God is not working in my life or God is not working in this church and, and you're feeling like that and you're thinking that God wants to respond and say, remember this, I know how you feel. And I know you may be disappointed and I know you may be discouraged, but I want you to know I know how you feel. That's important, isn't it, when you're ministering to someone? We did some really interesting things in our class uh, yesterday, and one of them was, was got us to a place where you could actually feel compassion for somebody else in the midst of their pain. Now, I, th- I think most of us, when we're in the midst of our pain, really don't want to have someone come up to us and say, God works all things together for good, brother. Right? That's hard to swallow. If you've lost somebody in your family... Someone important to you, grandparent, parent, uncle, brother, sister. Those aren't the words that you want to hear. Many times, you just want someone to come alongside you. Hug you, hold you, stand there, just be silent. And know that they feel what you're feeling. And they'll walk with you. That's what God's saying. But there's a second thing here that I think we need to remember. It's this. Remember that God is with you, even if it doesn't feel like it, which is exactly what we're talking about. What does it say here in verse 4? In verse 5, it reads this way. But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. You see, God is giving the people encouragement. He's speaking to them three times, and this is important. He says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, people. Why does he say it three times? You know, if you have children, sometimes you have to say things three times before they get it, right? Get an amen on that one? Clean your room. Five minutes later, you come back. Clean your room. Five minutes later, Clean your room. You don't have to yell. What do you mean I don't have to yell? I told you three times. Clean your room, right? God here is emphasizing something. He's saying, be strong. You know, you're looking at this work and you're saying, I'm disappointed and discouraged because you really don't see me moving in your midst, which of course you're missing the point. But you're seeing your little work and you're thinking that it's absolutely nothing. And I'm telling you, be strong and work. Not just be strong, but I mean, it's important. He says, be strong and work. In other words, keep at it. Persevere. Don't stop. You see, the people had, in a sense, at this point, two options. They could look at the facts. And what were the facts? The facts were, first of all, that the temple that they were building was nothing like Solomon's temple. That was a fact. It would never be like 
Solomon's temple. That was a fact. They could look at the other fact, which was this is hard work and it's going to take a long time to get done. And after looking at all those facts, they could say, you know what? We give up. Or the second option, they could take God at his word and trust what he said, which is, I will be with you. Notice what it says here in these two verses. It says, for I am with you, declares the Lord at the end of verse four. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. In other words, you can choose looking at the circumstances that you're in. You can choose looking at the facts at the way they are, or you can trust my word that this work is going to get done. And he reminds them of Egypt because they didn't come out of Egypt. It's not like God is like directionally challenged or anything like that. But God was basically saying, listen, way back when I brought my people out of Egypt, I told them they will worship me in this land. And you guys blew it and you went off into exile. And now you have been brought back. You are a remnant. You are thinking that I am not with you, but I want you to know that I am with you. So be strong Get to work and trust my word. And it's a strong word when God says covenant. He doesn't say I made a contract with you, but I made a covenant. I made a promise. I promised you that you, my people, will worship me and you will worship me from this temple. You see, so what God is trying to say is this. Remember, I am with you even if it doesn't feel like it. Because you might be thinking overwhelmed by the facts and you may be seeing yourself surrounded by enemies and thinking, how is the work of God going to continue in this mess? I just can't see it. And God says, you don't need to see it. You just need to see me. See me. Be strong and continue the work. God wants them to let them know, I am with you. I promise you that this will be finished. Which leads us to the third thing. And it's this. Remember, God will do what he says, even if you don't get to see the end result. Remember, God will do what he says, even if you don't get to see the end result. Let's read this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will come once more and shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory. In other words, there's something glorious that's going to happen here. You look at it and you see it's horrible, but I look at it and I see the future and I know that this place will be filled with glory. And in verse 8, he says, the silver is mine. The gold is mine. In other words, referring back to Solomon's temple, and he says, you know, silver and gold, I have plenty of that. I don't care if one room cost $20 million for them to build. I've got it all. I mean, it's like me coming up to Bill Gates and saying, you know what? You look a little shabby today. I'm going to give you $10. Go have lunch at McDonald's. You know what? Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm going to give you 20. Go to Red Robin. Get something good to eat. What's he going to say? He's going to laugh at me. Of course, I wish he would give me a couple billion, but he's still going to laugh at me because he's going to say 20 bucks. I sneeze and 20 bucks comes out. That's what God is saying, basically. You know what? You guys are so worried about this big old Solomon necessary type temple, silver and gold and beauty and all that stuff. I got all that. I don't need it. I got this. George Lopez. Sorry. That's a commercial break for the used guys. But that's the idea. God is saying, listen, I don't care. 
so don't compare. Just made that up. It's a nice little rhyme. I don't care, so don't compare. I'm not so worried about this big old building that you guys are all disappointed about and you're discouraged because it isn't like something that once was because that is not the issue. Keep on working. Be strong. I am with you because one day this temple will be filled with glory. Because what does he say in verse 7? He says, the desired of all nations will come. The reference is to Jesus. One day Jesus is going to walk the grounds of that very temple that these people are now building. And that's even greater. Goes on in verse 9. The glory of this present house, this dump, will be greater than the glory of that former house, that beautiful, wonderful temple says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. You see, what they were doing was building for the future. Yes, they were building for themselves. They were building a temple where they could come and they could worship God as God intended to be worshiped. But he's telling them, listen, I understand that you are disappointed and you are discouraged because this place is not like the old place. That doesn't matter to me. I want you to know, I know what you're thinking and feeling. And I know that you feel abandoned, but I am with you. And I want you to understand that in the future, there will be a greater glory that will walk through this temple than the one of Solomon's. They are building for the future. And that future is still some 500 years away. See, because what God is saying is, listen, what you're building now is going to affect generations later on. It's kind of like Tuba City in some ways. You know, we've been going there for, I think, six years now. I've been going the last four and I didn't wear my shirt because I didn't go to the dinner. And I guess the punishment is when you don't go to the dinner, they don't tell you you're supposed to wear your shirt so you look embarrassed. Okay, so I'm embarrassed. I got my punishment. But in going to Tuba City, we are building for the future. It's not just one of those things that you go there for one week out of one year and you you have a nice VBS and you're starting to see things, but we're actually seeing a future begin to be built. It's not the prettiest thing to do. It's not like going to Africa and living out in the wild and not having um, showers for weeks on end. You know, we go to the Grey Hills Inn, you have a shower. Whether it's hot or cold doesn't make a difference. You have a shower. You have some form of air conditioning. You have a nice bed. It's not like going to Africa. Very few bugs. Nights are beautiful because there's no mosquitoes. It's not glamorous like going to somewhere where people are living in abject poverty. But when you go, you're building the future. The future of God's kingdom in that city. And when you can see, like Paul was saying, the consistency of going every year, how these kids in my last year's sixth grade class came back in full almost, and participated in helping out the VBS this year as seventh graders, you see the future unfolding right before your eyes. Because you're thinking to yourself last year, I am at least, you're not me, and I'm thinking, boy, this is a really tough class. These guys don't listen for anything. 
To see them come back next year and want to help out says that God is at work. And you may never see what that end result is, but God is doing something. And so God comes alongside of and he says, I am with you. So be strong and do the work. That's how we deal with disappointment and discouragement with the work of God in our lives and as a corporate body. Because you could be sitting there saying to yourself right now, listen, I am struggling I really want to do these things for God, but nothing seems to be going right in my life. I get started, I get moving, and something bad happens, and boom, two weeks after trying so hard, I just want to give up, which is kind of like the remnant here. Four weeks for a project that's going to take years, and they're already disappointed. You know, some of us have been building things into our lives for years on end, and we expect an absolute change always a super miracle that's going to make us this super Christian and take us up to the next few levels rather than realizing that the work of God is a process and it takes work and God comes alongside us and he says, I am with you. Be strong and work. That's what he's telling these people. And just to remind ourselves again, think about it. He says, be strong, political leader, be strong, religious leader, be strong people. Because I am with you, because my spirit is among you, because what I am doing, though you will never see this great glory that's coming, it's going to come. And you can trust my word. You can trust what I'm telling you, that what you are working through, I have in mind a picture of who you will become. It's kind of like Paul went in Philippians and he says, you know, God will bring this work to pass. And before he even says it, he says, I have this confidence, not in me, but in God, that the work that God is doing in your life, he will bring to completion. You might be sitting out there today going, man, I'm just really having a hard time. I am struggling to follow Jesus like I know that I should. I'm looking at myself and I think if I'm not any different, I may be even worse than when I was when I first started following Christ. I think God wants to come alongside us and say, you know what? You may be disappointed in yourself. You may be disappointed that every day you wake up and say, I'm going to do better today. I'm going to do better today. And then you lay down at night and you go, I did worse. But be strong. I am with you. Keep walking. Because sometimes there are changes in your life that you don't see, but others are observing. And God wants us to change our perspective. He wants to get our perspective off the facts, off the circumstances, off the things that are actually going on in your life that are real. They had real struggles. And he says, that's real. I recognize that. But I am bigger than your circumstances. I am bigger than your difficulties. I am bigger than your problems. I am bigger than the facts. I'm not promising you ease because they still had to work and they had to work hard. And they had to work for years. And they were never going to have Solomon's glorious temple. But they would finish that temple. And God's greater glory in the form of Jesus would walk through that temple. So let me ask you today. Are you disappointed and discouraged at yourself? 
Or have you been coming to Harvest and you go, I'm a little disappointed. I thought it was going to be a little bit better, but it's not really what I expected. It was really cool way back when it was 60 people and now it's over 200. And it's just freaking me out. It's too big. And I'm a little discouraged because I'm not really as known as I used to be and all that other stuff. And God says, look at all that. Those are real. They are facts. They are true. But understand this. Be strong. I am with you and do the work that I want you to do right now, right where you're at in your life and in this church. It's a call for some of you to start moving forward, taking those next steps, getting involved in that community group that you keep saying, yeah, I'm going to do it, but you haven't. To be involved in that ministry that you know you should be, but you can, ah, you know, no one's asked me. Don't be afraid to ask. Because God wants to work in us. And even though we may not see the fruit, and we may be changing lives in Tuba City or changing lives in other parts of the world or even changing future generations, we need to trust God at his word. And he says, I'm working. I will be with you and be strong. Let's pray. As we change our perspective, one of the things that discouragement and disappointment says is this. I can't, therefore I won't. I quit. I give up. But faith says this, and it says it clearly. It says, I can't do this, but God can. Therefore, I will. It's a totally different perspective. Our Father in heaven, we come before you as our Father who is in heaven whose perspective is totally different from ours. Your perspective, you see our hearts, you see our lives, you see our circumstances, you see our past, our present, and our future. You speak to us. You speak to us a confidence that you are at work in us, both to will and to work out what you've called us to do. We want to surrender ourselves today your work in our lives. We throw up our hands. We say, Father, you understand us completely. You see us in our weakness. You see us in our inadequacies, in our failures. And we know that we cannot do what you're asking us to do unless you help us. So like the remnant, strengthen us. Let us know. And even if you don't let us know, We know from your word that you're with us. May we walk in this confidence that Paul had. Confidence not in ourselves, but a confidence in who you are, what you have already done, and what you want to do. Change our perspective. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's in his name we pray. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.